Our God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with trees. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. Hey, welcome to God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. And I'm Bill Swirlo. Rufus just brought me his ball. I put my foot down right on top of his <laughs> Gifts. orange ball. Gifts from the uh, from the uh, the dog, the servant yeah. dog. He's he's uh, very giving. We're going to start with a little Don Tiki oh, here. Don Tiki. Oh, I like Don Tiki. Pagan lust. <laughs> Don Tiki. Whatever you do to help you make it through. Whatever you do, do what you must. But whatever you do, don't drink. Whatever you do, don't drink. Whatever you do, don't drink. That pagan lust. There you go. Oh, Sound yeah. advice right there. That's right. Don't drink that pagan Well, today we're going to get into the Heidelberg Disputation, Theses 16, 17, 18. Who knows how far we'll go? Maybe 16, maybe maybe not. Yeah, I'm not saying we're going to launch right into it. I'm just kind of giving a little preview, a little teaser, if you will. Tell them what you're going to say. You say it, and then you tell them what you said. <laughs> Very nice. Don, Don you gotta love the Don that stuff. Man. That's good stuff. There, Paula. The lovely Paula. She's making me nervous. What? 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 What are you looking for? I don't know. I didn't do nothing with your computer. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, everyone needs to know about your computer. Manly Doctors 13 is our phone number, 626-593-7713. Manly Doctors 13, because we are the Manly Doctors of Divinity. What you got over there, Bill, as far as email and all that Oh, stuff? we are first the mothership, godwhispers.com or .org. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We're, what else? You, I, you, uh, uh, you look confused. I am. Uh, oh, email. That's right. Email. Godwhispers at gmail.com. Look we us have, up on Facebook. Uh, join our, our crew over there. We're over 500 now, which is nice. And uh, God Whispers put me into therapy. And by the way, <laughs> visit our swag store because we need some Mexican food. I yeah. know that does, sounds like a well, non sequitur, time, time but for, uh, time for the four of us to go out. And, uh, seems to be what our swag store money goes that to new is fish some store cheap that we went. What was that fish store we went to? Oh, the yeah, fish, the, the fish place. I can't ever. They changed the name of it recently. Was, it used to be Malibu Fish Grill, but now. That was Destination Fish. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, that was really good. I had the Mahi Mahi with. Uh, did you fart? No, I'm, I'm trying to get you to, put, to turn on the dial. You're waving key. your hand all over like like you farted or something. No, and I, I, was, I'm just... I was just trying to signal. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the flarp <laughs> has returned. Return of the flarp. I'm controlling the flarp in this episode, though. Yeah. I guess Don Tiki was kind of confusing you. You get to a certain age, and, and uh, Don Tiki will do things to you. Don Tiki is confusing. Yeah. 
Yeah. I read somewhere that the middle-aged mind is a lot sharper than people give it credit for. So yeah, uh, we don't give you a whole lot of heavier, heavier that, myelin really. insulation, so the uh, the synapses fire quickly. Mylar, myelin. Oh, myelin. That's different. It's the sheathing, the insulation around your nerve cells. Very important. Good if, to know. If myelin uh, starts to degenerate, you start getting into some serious problems. I believe that uh, MS and um, other sort of uh, neurological problems are all myelin demyelinating kind of diseases. Okay. So you say so. You're short circuiting. It's like having no insulation in your wiring, and it's not. Yeah, we should go to the mailbag. I got an itchy ear. Pump, pump. Uh, let's see what we've got. Mailbag. Our buddy. Jason Caspar. Another one? Yeah. After last episode, there's yeah. there's yet another there's one. There's more. Well, he didn't include wow. any any there's no audio this time. Oh. But he says I recently had a very brief discussion with someone concerning our hymnals and the discontinuation of the use of TLH. TLH is still around. I think something like fifteen percent of our congregation still use TLH, which stands for the Lutheran hymnal. Yeah. The one and only Lutheran hymnal. The only Lutheran hymnal that ever fell from the sky on golden plates. Is that the historic liturgy in there? Using the historic <laughs> one-year liturgy. Yes. Um, I have friends who, who make it a point of orthodoxy if you're on the one-year cycle instead of the three-year cycle. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to hit that. Well, you did, didn't you? Now we're going to have to dramatic. listen to it a little bit. That's dramatic. Well, let's just keep that. I'll, I'll knock it down. We'll keep that in the background there. How Great a Wurlitzer by Chris Lemker. Big sound. <laughs> anyway, back to Jason. Uh, the discontinuation of the use of TLH, the argument against the use of TLH was the introduction of the abomination of desolation, a divine service without communion. Um, I believe he's referring to page 5. Page 15 was, ah. the, was the divine service with communion, and the uh, page 5, divine service without communion. Previously, previously to that, in the, in the, uh, the prior hymnal, um, they just had an out... Uh, basically, where there where there was no communion, then the service would kind of uh, default into they'd skip over everything and default to a prayer and a closing hymn. And they were out of there. Uh, TLH made it a whole separate service. How, how did that even come into play? Was that because there was a pastoral shortage at one time and Could sometimes be. you needed a provision, uh, provision service without a pastor? I think more likely. Um, y- if you understand when there's no communion as when there are no communicants, nobody coming forward for communion, nobody who had announced prior, um, hmm. you know, small congregation, Pietist, uh, you know, pietistic sort of notion of the Lord's Supper that one doesn't certainly commune every Sunday, but quarterly perhaps. You know, needed the big ending. A lot of that stuff. A lot of that stuff is is sort of pietistic in its in its origins. But uh, you know, the weird thing about TLH was that they they basically institutionalized it the non-communion divine service and made it into a separate service. Right. Almost encouraging its use. 
Is it a divine service without communion? Well, that's a good question because, I mean, uh, you know, the divine service is kind of Lutheran code word for the Mass or the liturgy, and that's typically word and sacrament together in right. two parts. But uh, So he writes, uh, while I'm in complete agreement that every Sunday communion is the best way for us, uh, both hear and receive God's gift, how does the abominable argument hold water in light of the fact that LSB also contains the abomination as an option in the rubrics for DS1, 2, and 3? Uh, and he cites the edition. So in other words, uh, uh, um, LSB went back to the older way of giving it as an out. Right. So you have right. this where there's no communion, then you Skip go... ahead to page yeah. X, Y, and Z. Yeah, right. Um, and so, uh, you know, what justification is there for that? Well, basically this, that uh, a, lot of, a lot of congregations still don't do weekly communion. You know, when we were on the liturgy committee, there's a certain practical thing. Uh, one thing we discovered very early on the liturgy, the liturgy committee, <laughs> your computer's making gurgling noises there, is um, that, uh, you're, you, do you have Dropbox? No, that was Skype. Skype. Somebody, somebody uh, calling in? popping up on Skype oh, here. Okay, somebody popping in on Skype. But anyway, um, you know, when you're when you're putting together a liturgy for a hymnal for the whole synod, I need to close Skype. Uh, you're not going to be you're not going to be um, reforming the liturgy. That there's a big mistake. People think, oh, the new hymnal is going to come out where they're going to fix all the problems in worship. No, you're pretty much going to. Um, fix some of the problems and carry over a lot of them because you can't just simply, you know, from above dictate this is how it's going to go. And uh, so there's still lots of people doing that kind of service. Basically, the dry mass, the service of the word without (laughs) communion, uh, the equivalent of talking about dinner with your friends but never sitting down to the table and eating, you know, that that sort of thing. So... uh, um, and so, really, it's it's not a new thing. That's kind of a retreat. If anything, LSB is a step in the right direction. It's going back to the prior way that Lutherans did this, and that it gives an option for an out when there are no communicants, when there is no communion. Hmm. I, it is nice to have something for those congregations that don't have a, a regular pastor all the time. That's another reason. But sure. mm, I, you know, I understand some practical ideas behind. Not having weekly communion, like when you want to invite a lot of visitors to the church, and the whole closed communion thing yeah, you is know, uncomfortable. But it, it and it's never sticky for people. I tell you, it never stops the Orthodox or the Catholics, does it? No, I mean they don't. No. I've been to weddings with mass. I've been to funerals with masses. I've been. Uh, but uh, I have yet to see a priest actually turn people away. No, they don't turn anybody away. No, I mean they may have uh, more. I don't know about in the Eastern Church, but in the in Eastern the Roman, Church, pretty pretty rough. Yeah, Roman Catholic Church, I've never seen a priest turn anyone away. Nah. Well, the, so a lot of the services are so big that they don't even distribute the sacrament. They have these uh, Eucharistic assistants, right? These lay yeah. assistants, yeah. And, you know that that's just kind of the the uh, the Lord's Supper as Pez dispenser kind of thing. You know. <laughs> Yeah, you have that. You you also have the uh, the matter of uh, communing in one kind there. So you you well it speeds often, things up and yeah you, you don't, don't get not the, the yeah. wine of the blood of Christ. Yeah, you know they've done a real retreat uh, since the uh, the the advent of the the serious contagious deadly pestilences and illnesses. You know like SARS and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, is there actually they're actually circulating missives that says basically go back to one kind. Really? Yeah, they'll use any excuse to go back to one kind. <laughs> Love that Trent, baby. 
Well, the new pope also is is kind of reverse. He's old school. Yeah, he's old school in some good ways. Hey, if you, did you see where they've they've gotten rid of and also with you now they say and with your spirit? Yes. Yeah. You know, we knew I that. We, we talked about that a few episodes. We could have been on the we could have been on the leading edge of that, and uh, but uh, no. Now we'll follow Rome, and we'll do that in uh, oh, another ten or fifteen years. One more letter here, and then we'll move on. Uh, David writes. Uh, Riddle me this, manly doctors. I don't understand our readers or our listeners, but uh, anyway, I want a good study Bible. What do you recommend? Lutheran study Bible. I believe so. I think the Lutheran study Bible, the current version, which is the ESV translation with an entire new set of notes and all kinds of things. That is that is a very fine publication. Yeah, it is. It's nice. No study Bible is perfect. No study Bible is to be taken as you know the inspired word of God. Uh, these are study notes that are gleaned by... Uh, put together by biblical scholars. Uh, fortunately, with with this one, the, this one's actually uh, our own set of exegetes and biblical scholars, and so you know it is a reliable set of notes. I think it's quite good. Yeah, the Concordia Study Bible that was out before this is kind of, if I understand right, a hybrid between yeah. the NIV Study Bible and some Lutheran add-ons to That's the right. NIV Study. That's Bible. right. It was the Evangelical NIV Study Bible, yeah. and then we got permission to use it in toto. We couldn't change anything, but we could add to it. And yeah. so what you have is these little daggers all over the place. And, right. And dagger right. is a good, that's a good symbol for it, too. <laughs> and uh, and so there'd be the, the Lutheran additions to it. Um, and so, you know, that, that's cool. But basically, recognize what you're getting when you get a study Bible. You're getting a scripture text in translation. You're getting commentary notes. Uh, you're getting some general theological, doctrinal stuff, and you're getting a concordance. Why? You know, it's kind of like four books in one. Why ESV all of a sudden? Why did, why did we go that route? Well, I think, I think we found that NIV was a little deficient. It's, it's too paraphrasy. It it's, it it's, yeah. it's off on the spectrum of literal to dynamic. It's off on the dynamic end of translation. And, uh, I, you know, in, in my Bible studies, we still have a lot of NIVs in the, on the shelves. Uh-huh. And so in, in our Bible studies at church, uh, we'll be reading from the NIV. And every once in a while, it's like, oh, my goodness, that's a horrific translation. Um, yeah, I, we, we encountered one in John, you know, if, the, if you abide in my word, Jesus says. And the NIV translates that, if you hold to my teachings. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you are truly my disciples, etc. And abide in my word and hold to my teachings are about as far as the east is from the west in terms of uh, you know how that should be understood. I, I have uh, in my church, I've got a little bit of everything in our Bible classes. We use ESV, NIV, and you know, then I've got some people that are King Jamesians, King James and, types. Uh, yeah. Uh, now, King James is more than just about the old English. Uh, in fact, more and more, I find the King James very difficult to read. New King James, though, you, you can the, get the updated. No, King James. No, yeah, because yeah. because God speaks in Elizabethan English. <laughs> it always does sound more religious. Oh, that has, you, you know, I I maybe have made this case before, but why is it that all the movies with Jesus, he's got a British accent? How come he never well, talks just, like a Jew? It's just... Bless <laughs> it on the poor? <laughs> sounds like I'm a, just saying. Sounds like a Jew from the West Side. Yeah, that, be, <laughs> A little Yiddish. Yeah, that would, yeah I, I, 
I'd, I'd, I'd sign. You Pharisees, what am I going to do with you? I don't know. <laughs> I'd sign on for that. <laughs> that would be that would be good. We'll have to we'll have to get Paul Meyer in on that. You know, <laughs> Paul, can you get us a Jewish Jesus, please? I mean, it's kind of driving we us. Can we nuts get an Ed Balfour to play Jesus? Oh, he, oh, movie. he'd be he'd yeah. Be that's right. Jesus. That, that's right. A little Jew yeah. guy. He'd be good. Yeah, if you need an old guy, get John Perling. I mean, he's he's about he's he's the most Jewish Lutheran I know. Is, is he? It, I is I know. Well, he he's, he's he pastors out on the west side of well, LA. I, I mean, we we had neighbors named Perling who were Jewish. He might I was, be. I, I, I don't I don't know. I don't Jewish background. I, I don't know if he's a blood son of Abraham or not. But but uh, um, moving on. Also, yeah. I'm not I'm not adverse to looking up something in Greek. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well. Uh, English is so much quicker. Yeah, that that would be the case if you speak English. And besides, I don't have a hope in Hebrew. Hey, newsflash, Hebrew is actually easier than Greek, but that's another story. Uh, syntactically, yes. Oh, Vocabulary-wise, yeah. we don't have those cognates to draw from. Ah, but see, what I for kosher and schmuck. I, <laughs> yeah, that's 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 Yiddish, which is more right. German than anything else. But actually, I found that the lack of cognates makes Hebrew easier to remember. Um, cognates kind of clog the works after a while. But uh, no, I, I, Hebrew, my Hebrew is still. We're just going to have to be uh, different on this one. Wait till, well, wait till you for, become. For wait, me, the Greek syntax is much harder than the Hebrew syntax. Absolutely. But there's so many Greek based words in English that the vocabulary is a lot easier. Well, wait till you become 55. You'll see. Um, that's ah, uh, yes. that said, what translations do you find most accurately render the original text as well as don't stray from good doctrine? That's a tough call. Uh, you know, translation goes on a sliding spectrum from uh, literal. Absolute, yeah. you know, the, the most literal of literal would be an interlinear where you just kind of match the words, word but they make word, no yeah. sense. Right. Um, to d- what's called dynamic equivalence, um, which is like the NIV, uh, which then you can move further than that in the, in the land of paraphrase, right. like today's English version, or Eugene Peterson's The Message, which isn't even a paraphrase. That's no, basically that's somebody's, somebody's devotional recasting of the Bible. Um, I like, uh, I don't know, my, my favorites would be, um, see, I still use the old RSV because, because a lot of the tools that I use are, are, are yeah. geared to the old RSV, but I like the ESV is okay. The RSV I think is more literal. I tend to think that the new American standard Bible is still the most, it's N-A-S-B, a little wooden, but it's, I think it's very faithful to the Greek for the most NASB part. NASB is favored by a lot of conservative yeah. uh, types and, uh, and, and I, I like it fine. That, that would be, that'd be another one. It's not the easiest read of them no. all, though. No, see, that's the thing. One reason we got the ESV is it, it is a decent public read. Right. Um, the publisher, and I forget which is the publisher, is it, I don't know, it, it's usually Nelson, Crossways, Erdman, Zundervan. But the publisher of ESV allows um, large, large, large reproduction of the text. Oh, that's good. Um, you know, people sometimes complain about copywriting of you know scriptural text and stuff like that. But they are trying to preserve the integrity of their translation. Right. You know, that's really the key. Then that's not like they're trying to make oodles of money off of it, or maybe they are. But but uh, <laughs> trying to preserve the integrity. It is of the, the number one bestseller of all time. So, um, although the crayon's making a run at it, I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I, I would I would recommend any of the ESV, NASB, 
Um, NIV's a little more paraphrasy and sometimes does stray from the Greek a little bit it more than It tends to be like. okay for the but most it, part. But I would it's say pretty... it's, not, it's not horrific. Stay away from the new NIV yeah. and the new RSV. Well, those they, are, those the are disasters. The new NIV has gender-inclusive language. Yeah, yeah. Well, so does the new RSV. That, that, that's a disaster, so yeah. that, that's politicized. Uh, NASB is good. New King James is fine too. That's a that's a good that's a good translation. He says I recently heard a Beck's uh, the uh, the American translation. Been hearing um, Beck's the Beck's is the work of one man. Uh, it's a it's kind of a it's a quirky Lutheran uh, work. Um, I don't know what's. I appreciate a lot of a lot of Beck's insights. Yeah, uh, it's it's very interesting. And one of the problems with the NIV, RSV, ESV, all the rest is it's it's by committee. And and when you well, have Bex tra- is not Bex is you, the work. Yeah, of and when you have a translation well, by committee, you find the path of least resistance usually in yeah. these things. And so it gets dumbed down. It gets watered down to the the least common denominator or most common denominator, yeah. or whatever. Uh, whereas back, at, you know, it's one person. Now, then you got to measure against his take on things, which sometimes aren't quite awesome. But uh, it's 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 a good resource to have on the shelf. I think I I, I wouldn't. There, here's here's the reality that Bible. there is no substitute whatsoever uh, for knowing Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. I mean, those are, those are the texts behind the translations, and and there is no substitute for that. Anytime you go from one language into another, you gain about thirty percent of stuff that's not in the original text, and you lose about thirty yeah. percent too in translations. So there, it really is no substitute. If if you're going to do some serious uh, study and and kind of looking at how the doctrines come out of these passages, it's I think it's worth comparing two or three different versions. You, you, when you when they differ, you know you've got something that the these translation committees can't agree on. Right, and usually you can figure out why from the Greek. Uh-huh. But uh, simply looking things up in the Greek is not going to be good enough. I mean, you, you have to know how Greek works. And Greek idioms and and syntax and things like that. And so. one of the other things that I would suggest, if you're wanting to do serious Bible study, ignore the verse numbers and the chapter breaks. Read the book oh, as absolutely. a whole word. Absolutely. The, these things are useful for reference, but deadly for actually understanding Scripture because people take things out of context so much. You know, a lot of these verses, it's half a sentence. It's not even a whole sentence. Yeah, well, he, he goes on and says, <laughs> oh, when you do make a recommendation, don't forget it has to come in a black, flexible leather or faux leather binding so it can be held securely and waved emphatically. And the typeface has to be big enough to read without holding it up to one's nose. Well, all translations come in various editions. So I you have, to, have uh, my giant print. You have your big handy. print? Who, yeah. where'd you, where'd you get that from? Uh, oh, various Bible distribution places. So United Christian Bible Books. Society. Uh, you know, I think United Bible Society online. Uh, they they uh, that, that's your that's kind of like yeah. your best buy in Bibles. And you know the nice thing about those is they actually have like readers' Bibles. The feral cats are getting to Rufus. The, uh, oh, Rufus is he's he's crazed. He's crazed now. He wants he wants to get a cat. Well, yeah, he needs needs a pet to eat. Jesus' words Rufus. in red. Uh, he says, uh, "Red the red Jesus' words is optional, which it should be. Um, you know, especially in John, you can't always tell where Jesus' words ends and John's words Ooh, begin. Wait, 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 those are the ones that are most important. <laughs> yeah, well, those, those are the ones that I pay attention." You know, something people don't think about is Jesus <laughs> probably didn't say these things in Greek, so you're already reading a translation right. to begin with. Good point. Um, 
a, an inspired and Holy Spirit guided translation, but translation nonetheless. Thank you for your wisdom and guidance in this. Well, there you have it. Thank you for your righteous broadcast. I didn't know they were righteous. I hope you will one day find your substance again. (laughs) 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 And thank you for promoting the cause of bacon. Yes. Speaking of bacon, we got uh, Nancy sent us a uh, little Valentine of bacon roses. She wants romance. You want a snack? Problem solved. I saw um, bacon roses. <coughs> did you see who made a Super Bowl trophy out of bacon? I can't remember. No, who I hadn't that seen that yet. A yeah, bacon Super Bowl one trophy. Of our, one of our uh, friends mm. on Facebook. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. I have. I haven't been eating as much bacon lately. Nor have I, because I've been trying to be a good boy. Well, you're trying. You're you're trying to uh, lose 350 pounds and uh, look like uh, Ryan Fouts. And uh, yes. do you notice now Ryan's got his uh, his his shirtless abdomen on a banner on his Facebook? Really? Page. You know, he's got that new timeline Facebook where you got that long banner heading. Yeah. And he's there in all his glory. Oil, See, I'm, I'm oiled, working, oiled. Working my P90X, I haven't been real great about the diet. So I'm, I'm getting on <laughs> yeah. a diet right now. Right, yeah. The, the you know, nightly... I mean, I'm building a lot of muscle, but I'm just not losing the weight so, as fast as I like. So you do, you do what? What? Uh, P90X. How long? Uh, how long a workout is? About that? an hour a day. Okay, so you're doing an hour a day. What's that? What's that P90X stand for? Uh, well, P90. it's Power Ninety. What's ninety? Ninety days. Oh, ninety days. So it's okay. a ninety day cycle. Ah, okay. And then X is extreme. So there's the Power Ninety that is a program unto itself. Okay. And there's that's P- kind of the wuss the wuss program. It's the, Power the 90. entry level, that's which I, I probably should have started. That's, with. that's what I would. That's right. what I'd need. Yeah. I didn't know about Power Ninety until after I already got P Ninety X. Oh I, well, I so you just jumped invested. right to the X. Yeah, and now there's P Ninety X two. Oh, that's for the crazed people. Which is I, these guys are insane. They're doing. A, Imagine four medicine balls. You got one foot on each medicine ball and one hand on each medicine ball. And you're doing push-ups. Yeah, see that kind of oh, stuff. Yeah, this is, yeah, you know what I would do is I would call nine one one in advance. Yeah, just before you start your workout, just just call them in advance, put them on notice. Well, that's like the surfers down at the wedge in Newport Beach. Uh huh. It, it's a place where the jetty and the beach meet. Yeah, I think and, I, I know that. And the and the surf comes in and yeah. then it rolls back out, so you could surf it both ways. Oh, seriously? Yeah. But it breaks right on the rocks, pretty much. Oh, yeah. yeah. So okay, when the big when the big surf comes in, there's always a paramedic just parked right there, just May waiting. As well, they're yeah. just waiting. They're just, ready. That's right. Get they're the truck, huge. scrape them off the rocks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, so with this kind of workout, you probably want to call nine one one. Just get it all set up. Get the ambulance, you know, started up, and and then just come over to the house pick you up. Right now, I have my drinks also that um, I drink beforehand. It's kind of like crystal meth. With grape flavor, and you get totally wait. jacked up. No, we need to. We need to. It's actually called that. jacked. You are. <laughs> it's that's called what it's jacked? called. Yeah, it's called you're, jacked. You're not. You're not it's actually right there, right there on the counter on top of the equal thing. Jack. It, it's it's like Jack 3D is the way that's spelled. Uh, no, over uh, the yellow equal thing uh, over by the coffee maker. Oh, oh, there it is. Yeah. Oh, the camera. Yeah, the camera's in the way. We're, we're videotaping. Uh, and it's got uh, caffeine and nitric oxide uptake, something or other. And, oh, that's, uh, that's the same stuff that's in Viagra. Really? Yeah. Does it work? Well, I chase Paula around when I <laughs> oh, yeah. Come here, baby. 
Get that nitrous oxide going. Strange things will happen. Nitric. Nitrous is laughing gas. Well. You're the the scientist. You should know these things. Pre-exercise CNS Carmacine ATP Augmenter. It sounds good. Yeah. Let's see. Holy mackerel. Wait, yeah. you put this in your body? Well, it's crack. I'm telling the, you. The, uh, the fine print, I can't even... I smoke even, it. I don't I even, even, I don't even drink this. it. I just... Have you ever read the what's going on? Here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's crystal Good meth gravy. in there and all sorts of stuff. Caffeine. Here's caffeine. Grape skin ec- extract. Yeah, Vegetable stearate. Sucralose. That's all sugars. Silicon dioxide. <laughs> sand. Mm, Citric sand. acid. Delicious sand. Natural flavors. Yeah, I'm sure. Natural. I, I always like that. Natural that, flavors. I don't even know what that means. I mean, citric acid is natural, too, in the sense that every orange has a bunch in Pretty it. Pretty much, but, uh, yeah. Use with caution under strict dosing protocols. This product may produce an intense sensation of focus, energy, and awareness. It's true. I haven't seen it yet so in you. Do, you. do you actually use this? No. I'll, I I'll, have yet to see I'll focus. take some during the break here. I'll be super intense. <laughs> <laughs> actually, on the occasional Sunday morning when I'm just dead tired, I'll, I'll put that in my water bottle and oh, sip it all morning. See, we got to investigate that. Performance, performance enhancing drugs for preachers. We're going out with Dino. We'll be back. I matched the man behind the bar for the Jew. And the music takes me back to Tennessee. D. Martin in Tennessee. What? What? In the corner, crying. I say. Even lightning bugs have dimmed their light Stars have disappeared from sight And there's no moon at all Welcome back to The God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. I'm Bill Swirla. Little Mel Torme. Don't make a sound, it's so dark Even Fido is afraid to bark Even Fido, that Rufus too You know what that baritone sax reminds me of? A little flarp. Flarp. <laughs> I need to get some of that before my board meeting. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, the flarp. flarp. So something tells me that that, that jar of flarps going to get kind of disgusting over time. It already is. <laughs> I noticed some chunks in there. So. I just noticed it says it? it says noise putty. I thought it said nose putty. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, I put it up on our Facebook site, and no sooner to go up, somebody put a, a link to a, a, a flarp link. Beautiful. It's our, our listeners have class. We are, <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man. All right, there goes Mel. Are, are we ready to roll over into Heidelberg disputation this early? I think, we should, I think we should go to Heidelberg. Really? Yeah. Please rise. The theme for the fatherland. Yeah. 
We have ways of making you confess. You will be Lutheran or else. All right. We left off at uh, Thesis 16. <laughs> thesis 16. And this takes on, this, this takes on a, a, a new thing now. I mean, you're talking about free will. 13, 14, 15, 16. <laughs> Deutschland, Deutschland, überall. <laughs> you will not be a theologian of the glory. Only for the glory of the fatherland. Und under the cross. The iron cross, that is. All right, enough of my really oh. bad Colonel... What was the name of that guy? Colonel Clink? No, no, the, the SS, the general. Oh, the, the, the gen- fat general the- guy who... who. Oh, yeah, the fat general. kind of talked like that. Yeah, I, he did. I think I've got, got that in... Per- no, Schultz was a sergeant. I, I um, wasn't... I think Clink was Jewish, too, wasn't he? I, I, really? I the, he you was, mean the actor? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was one of the best. Uh, one of the, I, I loved Hogan's Heroes. Hogan's Heroes was uh, was that was vintage. Who knew television. that Bob Crane was such a freak? Is he a freak? Oh yeah, he's he, he's like he made gay porn and all sorts of weird no. stuff. No. Oh yeah, yeah. Bob yeah, Crane he, he was, made he gay was, porn. Yeah, he was killed. It was in this weird. Uh, yeah. No. No, it was bizarre. He he made porn and then he kind of got freaky deaky. So, with you know, the, every time you come up with something like this, I doubt you. And then you look and it then up. And I look it up and I say. And I am vindicated. It's like, every it's, time. It's like Rowan Williams being a druid. <laughs> who knew? Yeah, I, I did. I, I, I doubted you. I, you I said, should never doubt. Said, and there it was. It, yes. it was all over the internet. Druid. Polly came across an article of what a geek and a nerd is. And w- w- I've kind of come to the conclusion I am a geek, but you are a nerd. Okay. Yeah. All right. I can accept that. So I, I will bite the head off a chicken at a circus. You would, yeah, for attention or just a good laugh. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I, no, I, I think, I think I know the difference, and I would accept the nerd label. It, label it over actually the geek. goes into a lot of detail, but uh, you might be a geek if because kind of. of your science background yeah. and that you, 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 you have geekish tendencies, but you tend to be more of a nerd. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. I mean, I, I don't. I I try to avoid doing geeky things. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, if they are, they're they're un, unintentionally geeky. But a, a lot of being a you, geek you is, are is embracing the kitsch and the yeah, weirdness. Like that's that. right. Yeah. That, that's right. I mean, yeah. you are the you are the kind of person that would set himself on fire and throw himself into a pool. I've done that. I know. I know. I now this you know. this business that about some contest where I'm going to shave your back hair is just <laughs> it's, it's just it's not happening. I'm going on record right now. Th- this is not happening. Although I might consider a straight razor. So, well, you know, uh, I want <laughs> when, to see you practice with that first. But no, then again, even if you have practice, I'm going to practice on you. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I'll see you practicing slashing a watermelon or something. <laughs> <laughs> Just call 911 in advance and set up. Uh, thesis 16. Wait, thesis 16. <laughs> Please rise. We've been there. <laughs> okay. The person who believes that he can obtain grace by doing what is in him adds sin to sin so that he becomes doubly guilty. Wow. Now, Luther there is quoting the, the Via Moderna of scholasticism. 
you know, part of this is a great departure from the scholastic method and, and scholastic theology. But this idea that one did the good that was in him, and so he merited grace. You know, in other words, you initiate, you begin. Right. Um, this was this was the the via moderna, the modern way of scholasticism. So Luther writes on the basis of what has been said. The following is clear: while a person is doing what is in him, he sins and he seeks himself in everything. And see, it's funny how you know we're way beyond scholasticism, but that's like the that's the um, that's almost the mantra of the times: do what is in you. Yes. You Absolutely. Know, be all that you can be. You know, if Luther heard that that slogan, be all that you can be, he would say, and all that you can be is a sinner. Well, yeah, I, I'm sure he'd roll out a keg and say, have at it, right? <laughs> While a person is doing what is in him, he sins and seeks everything in himself. But if he would should suppose that through sin he would become worthy of or pre, uh, prepared for grace, that's the via moderna, he would add haughty arrogance to his sin and not believe that sin is sin and evil is evil, which is an exceedingly great sin. <laughs> That's nice. That is a nice piece of work right there. Well, yeah. I mean, look, look, once again, by our standards today, evil is, well, it's all subjective. It's all relative, isn't it? Well, but no, you could even <clears throat> say that, well, gee, okay, we can accomplish good through evil. Therefore, evil is good. Therefore, I'm doing good when I do evil. And I'm I, proud of the yeah. evil that I do. I just, you know, I'm dumbfounded when I talk to Mark Jasa about his work on, on the campus at UCLA. And he'll be talking with kids who are Jewish who will say that what Hitler did was right for Hitler. It wasn't necessarily wrong for Hitler. He to, did the good that was to in do him. That. You know, I mean, that was work for him. So, you know, it wasn't all bad, I guess, you know. Luther, Crazy. Luther cites Jeremiah 2.13, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. That is, through sin, they are far from me, and yet they presume to do good by their own ability. I mean, it's kind of a stretch in, in terms of the verse, but, but you know, that's a point well taken. Uh, you reject God, and then you proceed to set up your own system. Yes. You know, now you ask, what then shall we do? Shall we go our way with indifference because we can do nothing but sin? <clears throat> and that is the mistake of some. Okay, shall we, shall we sin that grace may much more abound, you know, Paul says. Or, hey, since I can't do anything but sin, then why not just sin? I would reply, by no means. But having heard this, fall down and pray for grace and place your hope in Christ, in whom is our salvation, life, and resurrection. For this reason we are so instructed, for this reason the law makes us aware of sin, so that having recognized our sin, we may seek and receive grace. Thus, God gives grace to the humble, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The law humbles, grace exalts. The law effects fear and wrath, grace effects hope and mercy. Through the law comes knowledge of sin, that's Romans 3.20, and through knowledge of sin, however, comes humility, and through humility, grace is acquired. Thus, an action which is alien to God's nature, opus alienum dei, results in a deed belonging to his very nature, that is his opus proprium, his proper work. He makes a person, oh, now get this. Oh, this, this is yeah, it. Yeah, this is a good line This here. is 24 carat right here. He makes a person a sinner so that he may make him righteous. Yes. This is law and gospel. 
This is oh, this is this is just proper distinction of Ron Bach. Yeah, uh, under under the, the the headings of of uh, the law and grace. Yeah, you know this is you know when I talk to my confirmation class about who rightly receives the Lord's Supper is the man who says I'm not worthy to receive the Lord's Supper because I'm a sinner. Precisely, <laughs> and so those who are who are worthy are the ones who are not worthy because they know that they're not worthy, yet God calls them worthy because they know that they're not worthy. Well, it gets back it to... It makes what, you goofy when you think about it What we were long. saying that, you know, the last time is that when the, the person who asserts his or her right, right to something is precisely in the wrong frame. Yes. You know, this, this is... It's, it's when we say, I don't deserve anything. That's when you're deserving. Well... Yeah, and and this goes to God emptying us of ourselves so that he can fill us with what he wants to fill us with instead of with our own crap that we're full of. Right, and we are indeed, <laughs> right? so, indeed full So he takes us upside down with the law and, and, and washes us out with baptism, and then he fills us with his goodness uh, only when we are emptied of ourselves and only when we're emptied of our notions of our own goodness or worthiness. You know, in in Romans, um, Romans, Romans, Romans is a, is a great. Uh, it's a great read. I mean, of course, the Bible's a great read, but Romans in particular is a great read because, um, you know, Paul lays out this this really well ordered argument. You know, the thing I like about Romans is there's no side agenda other than he wants their money so he can go to Spain. <laughs> But there's there's no side agenda. He doesn't know them. There's no controversies. There's nothing. Um, he's writing them so that they know what he's about. But this whole business, this this whole thesis that he develops that a man is justified by faith apart from works, that the Torah is filled by faith, fulfilled by faith, and not by our works. And then he gets to the the end of his his kind of doctrinal presentation, uh, which is ends in Romans eleven. And he has this summary verse in 1132. And I mean, this is, this is one of those verses worthy of all remembrance. And the reason I raise it here is exactly what Luther is saying in this thesis. For God has consigned all to disobedience. He's basically turned all men into just one big sinner. Hmm. Everything you do is sin. Right. Every person in the world, sinner, in order that he may have mercy upon all. He will only have mercy upon sinners. Isn't that nice? And so he lays out the law to make sure that you become utterly sinful. <laughs> you know, in other words, it's not about becoming better. It's about becoming a, a true sinner. Well, and knowing it. Hey, look, my phone's ringing. I hear your phone. I got a little Sinatra going on little my phone. Sinatra? Who's calling like me? Ian is Ian, me. Ian Stewart Pacey, the race car driver Stewart's. and campus minister yes. at Tucson. Yeah, because we had talked about doing a campus ministry. Can you put him on? Uh, you want to put him on? Yeah, was it? can you get him on? I, I can get I him mean, on. we can do an impromptu third microphone. You want to? Well, yeah. Why don't you kibitz for a second? Yeah, all right. Well, let's get, let's get back to this then. This, God makes a person a sinner in order that he may make him righteous. This is the proper work of the law. Okay, the law is to amplify sin, to make sin utterly sinful, to make the sinner an utter sinner, so that no matter what he does, no matter what he says, no matter what he thinks, it's utterly sinful. And there's D'Onofrio chatting away in the background. And this is the only this is the only one that God justifies. God justifies the sinner, not the righteous. First he's got to empty us of our righteousness, and then he's got to give us his own 
righteousness as our own externally. D'Onofrio is on the phone with Ian Stewart Pacey, and uh, I can see this was a big mistake on my part. <laughs> I thought you could just hold the uh, uh, hold the uh, the phone up to the microphone, and we could do an impromptu here. But um, Luther continues. Now you ask, no, I, I wrote, I read that. No, 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 right. Seventeen thesis seventeen continues, nor does speaking in this manner give cause for despair, but for arousing the desire to humble oneself and seek the grace of God. You know, I mean, the thing that, the thing I think of is how many people despair because they are looking at their good works. Luther says, rather, you ought to look at yourself as a sinner, and this will rescue you from despair because it will arouse in you a desire to humble yourself and seek the place where true comfort is found, namely in the grace of Christ. He says, this is clear from what has been said. For according to the gospel, the kingdom of heaven is given to children and to the humble, and Christ loves them. They cannot be humble who do not recognize that they are damnable, whose sins smell to high heaven. Sin is recognized only through the law. It is apparent that not despair, but rather hope is preached when they are told, when we are told that, that we are sinners. Such preaching concerning sin is a preparation for grace, or it is rather the recognition of sin and faith in such preaching. Yearning for grace wells up when recognition of sin has arisen. A sick person seeks the physician when he recognizes the seriousness of his illness. Therefore, one does not give cause for despair or death by telling a sick person about the danger of his illness, but in effect he urges him to seek a medical cure. To say that we are nothing and constantly sin, when we do the, even when we do the best we can, does not mean that we cause people to despair unless we're fools. Rather, we make them concerned about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm hearing, I'm hearing sounds. <laughs> and you know, Hello. That's not even a sound effect. Okay, can you hear me now? Here's just the hotline. Yeah, you're, hey. you're on. You're on with the God Whisperer, Ian Stewart Pacey, race car driver and campus minister. <laughs> At large. <laughs> At large. Wow. Can you hear us? Okay. Are you that not in the studio? Yeah, I can hear you guys both very well. Oh, good, excellent. Good, good. Yeah, well, you're coming through. Swir- and, uh, Swirl is just going off on the Heidelberg Disputation right We've now. been having, we had a great, there's a great sentence uh, that God makes a person a sinner so that he might uh, make him Forgive righteous. Them. Yes. I mean, so let me so, get this straight. You guys are doing theology on this program now? Well, I mean, it was just a little, it was, it was between that and some episodes of FLARP. You, have you ever heard of, have you ever heard Have you ever heard of FLARP? No, <laughs> it's noise putty. Craig's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna bring it to district convention. <laughs> you know, so, somebody somebody stands up to speak about a resolution you don't like. You break out the floor. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> nice. Hey, Ian, what's going on with campus ministries, man? They're 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 all up on Craigslist. They are up on Craigslist, not to know Frio, but the other guy. That's true. I wish I owned that list. Yeah, I'd be yeah, a bajillionaire. That's a that's a that's a list that Craig DeNofrio would like to be on. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can't give me away. Well, I think the basic scenario is is there are districts that are broke, and there are campus ministries that are worth a lot of money. 
And with campus ministry, the difficulty is a small congregation, students don't put a lot in the plate. And their properties are still worth a lot of money. Yeah, that that tends to be the case, doesn't it? Is is the, especially uh, urban yeah. urban campuses or these you know a lot of let's face it, a lot of colleges uh, either yeah. were were put in nice areas or have had nice areas grow up around them. And so Absolutely. you know you're dealing with some some high dollar real estate going on there. I mean that's yeah. that's I mean, in, Cal- in California in particular, but anybody who lives in California has the same. Uh, great tragedy. I wish I had bought this land in the 60s when it was worth nothing because now it's worth millions. Oh yeah, heck, I, I mean kind of, I have got I've got a, I've got I was a, raised in California so I know. Yeah. Yeah, I have a former member who, who used to own the house that uh, uh across the street kitty corner from where I live. And, uh, you know, he since has moved on. He's moved into bigger and better ho- homes and stuff. But, but he says, man, I could kick myself today. I should have bought four houses on that block. <laughs> yep. Yep. I mean, they were, they were all going for 10, 10 They were pop or whatever. dirt cheap. And, and now, you yep. know, I mean, it, it's an unbelievable investment. But, you know, the thing is, um, the, those campus uh, properties are really uh, attractive to developers, too, because they want to put up these dorms, sure. dorms with benefits. You know, we're, yeah, we're what are you talking about? Dorms with benefits? Yeah, that's what the kids want these days because they're paying so much money for college. So what you get is is these are like suites of rooms, just like a dorm, but but the building has the jacuzzi, the, oh, the gym, I see yep. what you're saying. Uh, swimming yeah, pool. Yeah, we have a lot of those around Arizona. That's for sure. Uh, I mean, is is that what's right. isn't that what they're going to do over in, in Minneapolis? Is they're they're going to knock down uh, the ULC in Minneapolis to put up a dorm with benefits? Isn't it? Yeah, fundamentally, that's right. That's what the plan is, to develop a private dorm. Uh, students, for whatever reason, get out of the regular dorm system. And like, like Bill says, they're, they're, uh, they're nice, they're sweet, they've got kitchens, you don't have to eat nasty food. Yeah. And all you've got to do is pay, and you're in. I, I'm, well, I'm why, rather, why don't the districts just take the property and build the dorms with benefits themselves? <laughs> oh no! You, and, and do you want a bunch of pastors? We're bad enough with real estate. Do you, no, do you want us I'm, actually I'm building just something? At least that way, you sure. keep the property. Right. You know? Oh yeah. You, you keep the property, and down the yeah. line, if the economy ever comes back, we can we can say, okay, well, uh, you know, we're going to put a chapel back in there and just have it kind of laid out so you that know, you could convert right. it. It's definitely not a bad idea, except for the fact that maybe the clergy would be involved at that level. Yeah, yeah, and you know what happens um, whenever the clergy gets involved. I mean, we, we can do certain things well, but I think property development is probably not high on the list. <laughs> no. well, yeah, uh, but there's we... a congregation out in Manhattan, and I think it's in the Reformed Episcopal Church. And essentially, this is what they did. They had a piece of property. They built a, a high-rise there. It's all apartments from, I think it's uh, floor 2 through 20 or something. And the bottom floor is the church. That's exactly what it is. Oh, no kidding. And the kidding. reason they can exist to this day is because they built this building back in the 30s and the 40s, whenever it was, maybe the 50s. And all of the income that comes in from all of the 20 floors above them basically runs this church. Wow. Which is down below. That's a, that's a darn so clever not, solution. It's actually it's a it's a it's an excellent solution. Yeah, no, that 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 really is. I mean, I think there there are well, a number of creative solutions. Yeah, and out we there. have gifted yeah. business people in our in our church body where you know we, we could outsource this to people who know what they're doing. Right, but you know, if the, we could set if, if we could set up a situation just as described where campus ministry wouldn't have to because about half of my work, maybe less than half, somewhere in the third range, is basically fundraising. Oh, yeah. If I could spend that time just doing campus ministry instead of beating the streets for funds, at least from my perspective, that would be more in line with what I'm supposed to be doing anyways. 
And who wants to have that, that, that difficulty where every year you're out and you're basically just trying to raise money to survive for the next year? Well, you know, I, I think another, yeah. another model, uh, you know, aside from, you know, just putting up your own investment property like you described there would be to, to uh, you know, get, get, get the local congregations on board and form a sort of a Friends of ULC or whatever, you know, your campus ministry is and, uh, and right. have them do the fundraising, have them, you know, uh, through their networks and their congregations be supportive of that ministry so you can actually do campus ministry. Because let's face it, um, a lot of these congregations, even if they're nearby a campus, aren't really setting foot on the campus. That's true. Yeah, that actually is, is more or less the model we're actually using now. And it, it, the thing is, it still does take a decent amount of work to keep things rolling, and it doesn't start up very quickly. You really have to, over time, introduce people to the concept of campus ministry. I think it's one of the main things we don't have going for us now is people don't really get why campus ministries are important. They don't well, see the value. They don't see the need. So when somebody wants to sell the property, they're not up in arms. You know, what, one of the people that are involved with it and who understand what we're doing, these are the people who are up in arms because they know what's at stake here. So in our particular situation over the last five years, I've found ways to try to get people out of their congregations into the campus uh, Christian center where we meet, mainly by way of bringing food and that sort of thing. <laughs> and over four or five years now, they've, under, they've come to understand, okay, these students, we know who they are. These students, we know what they're facing there. You know, these students, somebody has to do something for them because the alternative is, is not worth considering. Right. Something has to be done. And so the way we do it here is they, this is where we get our support. You know, we've got, like we've got about five minutes left on, on our, uh, the second half of our show. Um, but there's a point that I'd, I'd really like to hear from you on, and, and that's this. is There's a lot of rhetoric going, going, seem to be going around about how brick and mortar is not important in campus ministry. That uh, You know, it's about relationships. It's about people. Uh, it seems to be about some, some guy, you know, riding around in a psychedelic VW microbus with a guitar or something, but that that a, a building a, ch- a a building a chapel, a sanctuary, meeting rooms. This is not where the action is in campus ministry, and yet. Uh, when I drive by the UCLA campus, you know, or something, what do I encounter? A huge Chabad house. You know, the Jews have put up this mm. enormous Jewish center. Oh, yeah, sure. um, you encounter Islamic centers right there, right yep. on the edge of campus. Um, and, that, and yet yep. we're, we seem to be having this mindset that brick and mortar is not important. What, are you hearing that? What do you think of that? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I do hear the same kinds of things, the idea that the, just the relationships and the interactions, that's the only thing that matters. Um, we are in a shared space, so it's not a fully dedicated space, say, like UCLA and St. Andrews and Wyoming and places like that. But just having the space, I mean, that's what we're talking about, brick and mortar, is important in that. And, and, and like you say, other, other people have figured this out. Uh, it's a, the funny thing that's going on in Tucson is we have two Islamic centers, that are literally five feet apart. And the reason for the two is they built the one, and it was too small, so they built the second one. But because of how they value the location and the idea of establishing a, a, a foothold here, a place for, for, for discussing their views and so on and so forth, they, they couldn't bring, it, bring themselves to tearing down the other one. So now they have two side-by-side that <laughs> run side-by-side. Wow. That's the way they've handled it. Yeah, yeah keep, amazing. Keep, keep a close eye so, on that. The one thing about a building is is that um, whatever else you can say about it, it is a definitive statement about how you value something. Hmm. That we're willing to say at here, at this place, in this space where it says church on the front, 
that we're willing to put all the money and the expense necessary to do the churchly things here in this building. It's a kind of a confession, actually. Now, you, and what you, it says to, to, to people just on the street is that there's something going on in there of sufficient value that they're willing to bear the expense to make it happen, right? And then secondarily, what's really nice about that is that when somebody comes in off the street, they know what they're going to expect when they come into the building. This is a building that's about, say, Christianity. It's a church. My expectation coming into the building is that's what I'm here to do, to hear about this. You, you have groups well, having like... having all that stuff said is quite helpful. <laughs> Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> you, you have groups like Campus Crusade and others that don't tend to have buildings, and I'm, I'm sure you hear a lot of that, you know. Well, look, they're doing really valid ministry, and they don't have a building. Why, why do you need a building? How, how do you respond to that? Well, the way um, the university and, and Campus Crusade work is, is that's not quite their position, first. Okay. What they say is they do something on campus, but part of their program is, is they always want to associate the people in their groups with a local congregation. So that when it comes to Sunday services, when it comes to sacraments, however they handle them, so on and so forth, right, there, there's some, some way they're involved in the normal church settings. For a lot of the buildings, these end up being their normal Sunday service, normal congregational setting type places. Because it's true, you can go on campus, and I do it, you can have a Bible study. Um, but that's not what the fullness of what campus ministry as Lutherans think of it. It's not just about having a, a, a Bible study in Three Cheeses Restaurant in University of Arizona. It's much bigger than that. Well, I think and when so. you bring in the <laughs> preaching office, when you bring in the sacraments and the life of the Church, um, space for that is important um, for location, for uh, supporting what that's about. I mean, all those things we pour into liturgical space, that doesn't go away when it comes to campus. See, Craig, this is this, this is this is why we can't do um, a God Whispers if we're not at the same table. Because yeah, it's hard to see whose lips are moving. Yeah, we have no we have no clue as to when you've come to your last sentence. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. But no, well, this, the other thing is, you said we have five minutes, so I'm just decided to just about your time. Pat, yeah, absolutely. We now have twenty seconds. <laughs> but is 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 some of this because we we are we'll go over a little bit? Our notion of ministry is word and sacrament, as opposed to yeah. just simply Bible study or relationship. Absolutely, that's what I was trying to express there. If it wasn't clear, that's that's definitely what I was trying to say. Yeah, the, it's not just Bible study. It's the fullness of the church. That doesn't. Uh, I remember reading a sermon once to students, you know, trying to give them a sense of what they're about. They are the church in that place. They're not something less than. Right, and it's a it's it's a it's it's a statement that's a visible statement in view of the whole campus. So if you go and sell the place, that's a statement too, isn't it? Absolutely. That, that that thing going on there is no longer important. More important is the selling of hamburgers in that place now, or whatever it is. Absolutely. <laughs> nice. Hey, Ian, thanks for joining us. Thank you, dear doctors. We're we're out of time. We'll uh, talk to you soon, buddy. Sounds good, man. All right. See you. We'll see the rest of you Jesus soon. Jesus is a friend of mine. He taught me how to live my life as it should be. He taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me. I've had friends before, and I can tell you that he's one who will never leave you flat.